The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Everybody, happy Friday. Yes, political power hour. Bill McCosh, I almost pointed at Joe and said, Bill, Joe Zapecki, who's doing radio all over the place now, three hours here at WTMJ, noon to three, and Bill and I jumped on the show yesterday. It was fun. It was fun. I can't express to you, Bill, how strange it was for me to be over there <laughs> and Steve to be here. It was <laughs> bizarre. It was weird, and you got the, the old hat on again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Why do you wear so many hats? Can I ask that question? Uh, bedhead. <laughs> he's honest. He's very honest. Guy. He's honest. I mean, Makash has got the beautiful head of hair. We yeah. all know that. He's got the best hair in the room. We, we know that. Best in. hair in the business, dang it. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Not. I was going to just joke. Not a busy news week for politics. But yes, we, it was very busy. Bill and I were talking before you came in, Joe. There's like 50 things you could do here. I mean, this is a, a crazy, crazy week. Obviously, the... The special counsel report. We're going to start with that. You you actually created the lineup for the show today, so we're going to let you. Kind I did. Of, it was my turn this week. All right. So you, I want to hear your filtered perspective on all of this. Well, I, I'm going to try to not filter today. Okay. I, I'm going to try to just present the facts and counsel a little bit of patience. But not unplugged. Uh, I, I mean, listen. But not spin. The top line takeaway from the report in a sane world, not gone crazy and mad with politics would be Joe Biden will not be charged for the retention of classified documents. And in the report from a Republican special counsel, they outlined the differences in how Biden and Trump reacted when told that they had improperly kept classified material. Biden cooperated, turned it over, no charge. Trump refused to turn things over, is alleged to have and has been indicted for you know, engaging in a conspiracy to prevent those materials from being returned to the National Archives. And in a normal, sane, before-times world, that would be the takeaway. It is not the takeaway because of the decision by the special counsel to include some language about Joe Biden's memory. I'm sure we will get into that. It is not surprising to me that given the way that those lines were kind of front and center in the news cycle, that... The president felt he needed to come out last night and do a press conference, take some questions. And, you know, Bill and I both know, having worked in politics at high levels, when you see a weakness, right, or something emerging, yeah. there is oftentimes a rush. To, we have to go do something now to get past this. And so they brought the president out. It is very clear that he was very angry <laughs> his exact words were how in the hell dare he raise that talking about the elderly comments well i think it was more related to his son yeah and, but what does Bo have to do with whether or not he willfully or mistakenly retained classified material and so you know there's a, a media firestorm and a circus and what i'm trying to do today is be sober be you know cautious and like i don't know that inside of 24 hours of this all happening we can have any certainty about what it's going to mean now i know bill is going to talk about how damning some of the language to describe biden's memory is and i would just remind you 
that this week we got a poll where 61% of Wisconsin voters say Biden is too old to be president. And so to me, that makes this guy forget stuff sometimes. And sometimes he says Mexico when he means Egypt, but he still gets the name of the president he's referring to correct. I think a lot of that's priced in. Might this be different? It might. But I, I legitimately don't know that we can sit here today and say with certainty what happens next, given how twisted our politics are in the media environment we live in. So in honor of the first February tornado in Wisconsin history, I think we ought to blow the roof off this thing today, Steve. Here, here's the reality. And I appreciate Joe's uh, thoughts on this, but this was beyond damning for the president. In so many ways, it it wasn't that he wasn't charged. It was that he wasn't charged. It wasn't that he didn't commit crimes. It was they didn't think a jury would convict an old guy who didn't have a very good memory. That's that's essentially what the report said. And that amplifies the number one concern of voters nationally, according to the NBC poll that came out last Sunday and the Marquette poll that came out on Wednesday of this week. Wisconsinites have the same feeling. This guy's too old to be president. So if you're, if there's a perception you're an old guy and a perception you can't remember things, those are, those are kryptonite in politics. It, it, it is a bad look. And, and to Joe's other point, I'm going to give you a, an example of this. His aides last night should have refused to let him go out there. Let me give you an example. 1994, Chuck Koala hit Tommy Thompson right between the eyes with something very personal, something very related to his family. Tommy Thompson's instinct was, I'm cutting an ad. I'm doing a headshot ad. You know what? I couldn't stop that. So we went and cut an ad. I never put it on the air as the campaign manager. I let him. I hope Tommy's not listening. (laughs) Oh, he knows it now. Three days later, he said, Billy, where's that ad? I said, well, we're not running it. And here's why. But I let him defuse that day. Jim Clauser and I, that was the decision. You can't let a rabid candidate go on a podium like that and box with the the National Press Corps last night. I think it was a very bad look for him politically. I think it reinforces because one of two things he had. There was no win, in my opinion, for him. One of two things could have happened. He could have either looked really good, in which case he should have been charged because he is up to the job, or he looked really bad and reinforces the council's report. So uh, there was no possible win for him last night. I I think it was all bad. I think national polls are going to reflect this. Uh, and this is something they will not be able to get over, in my opinion. I think we should also not just focus on the Biden of it. This report was a mess. This special counsel report is a disaster. And I'm not even talking about the he's too old stuff anymore, which we can argue about for an entire hour as to whether that was appropriate. That man's not a medical doctor. But on page one, Republican special counsel says, I have evidence President Biden willfully retained classified materials. On page 215, he says, there is, in fact, a shortage of evidence that President Biden willfully retained classified materials. So this guy needs an editor or he can't remember what he wrote 214 pages ago. The thing is a mess. But that's the thing. Special counsels have complete power to do whatever they want, say whatever they want. And he actually countered his own argument, as you said, in the latter parts of this report. But he had proof that he willfully had it. And not only did he have it, he disclosed it. He disclosed it to at least to his ghostwriter and possibly more than that. And there's proof in the report of that. So it's. It's one of those things where I, I don't know how Biden can ever put the genie back in the bottle on this, and I think it's another reason why he won't ultimately be the nominee. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, we're just getting warmed up on this one. Join us, 855 616 If you have a 
question for the gentleman. We'll try to weave it into the conversation. You're listening, of course, to Political Power Hour on WTMJ. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. I think that. Uh, As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. I've been pushing really hard, really hard, to get humanitarian assistance into Gaza. Political power hour here on, on WTMJ, Bill and Joe. If, if the goal is to make yourself uh, appear presidential, confidence, strident, that's an example of, that was a question, he was answering a question in, in that part of it. it. It just doesn't look or sound good. You defeated the reason why you actually got up uh, up there in the first place. Again, if you want to say something, say something. Why'd you bring the press in? That, that sounded like a train wreck. You have, uh, you have the, all these reporters shouting at an old man, <laughs> it's like it's not a good look. It wasn't a good look for the press corps. You, you guys know I feel pretty strongly about that. I, listen, it wasn't look, a good look for America last night. And, My and, goodness, and we can play this game again. We've got an hour's worth of material. Last night again, Donald Trump said that Viktor Orban is the leader of Turkey. He's actually the leader of Hungary. We can talk about how uh, George W. Bush couldn't pronounce the word nuclear or strategy. Jesse guys, Waters last night confused right. the governor of South Dakota with the governor of South Carolina. Right. It's like it, it happens every day. But this this is Joe Biden, the president. He's not a TV guy. And, and here's a take that I, I want to share. It, this is from one of the guys who worked for Obama. You know, if Biden's memory were this bad, were as bad as the special counsel report makes it known, we would know it. Washington D.C. loves to talk. And Joe Biden meets with dozens of people every day, talks to people, including people who don't support him, right? What did Kevin McCarthy say? He was sharp. You know, he, he was saying publicly that he had to talk about how old Biden was. But in Kevin McCarthy's negotiations with Joe Biden when he was still Speaker of the House, he was saying, this guy's sharp. He still got it. I, you know, on October 10th, so October 7th was the attack on Israel, October 8th and 9th, Joe Biden sits for two and a half hours each day with the special counsel. October 10th, he gives a speech that Brett Stevens, the most conservative member of the New York Times editorial board, says is Joe Biden's finest hour. So, you know, was it a great look? No. Do people know that Joe Biden is a very old man? Yeah. And the conversation is, what is the choice? Right. We can talk about if it was Joe Biden versus Nikki Haley how much worse yesterday would have been for him politically. But the reality is, it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. That is what we are barreling towards. I know Bill's holding out hope that it's somebody other than Trump and somebody other than Biden. And I think, like, my take is, the only way it's anybody other than Biden is if it's somebody other than Trump. Otherwise, it's these two guys on a collision course, and that's where we are. They do have a symbiotic relationship. I mean, I think by the only person Biden could beat is Trump, and I think the only person Trump could beat is Biden. It's so insane. It's, either is possible. And what I like about Joe is I think he's sincere in his belief on where Biden is cognitively. 
Uh, I just don't think there's enough lipstick to put on that pig nationally. I think voters have made up their mind that this guy's too old. And, and, and by the way, they feel the same way about Trump. Joe's right about that. Let's just talk about the Marquette poll. 83% said too old describes uh, Joe Biden. 61% said it describes him very well. In Trump's case, it's 56%. So it's not like... They don't have concerns about his age, too. It's it's part of the reason over the last 12 months I've pushed for a younger, more conservative candidate who could actually serve two terms. I lost on that. Steve lost on that. Here we are with two old grumpy old men and, and you know, sort of maybe the worst choice we've ever had in American politics. But but that's the state of the race. But I don't think you can walk back the perception that this guy is old and feeble. And and he's not he's not fit to be president. I I think that's a hard one for Democrats to ever gloss over. Given all that, the Marquette Law School poll, the the, the perception by the public they, that these are old men. These are the choices we have. This is what the parties gave us willingly. They set it up for Trump, and they certainly set it up for Biden. So what are we doing with this? Well, so here's here's the silver lining that I find in the Marquette poll. Neither one. We, no amount of campaign money can convince people that Joe Biden isn't old. He is. No amount of money can convince voters that Donald Trump is a walking chaos agent. You just can't do it. But within the numbers, one of the questions Mr. Franklin asked, Dr. Franklin, sorry, sorry, Charles, was would you describe how, uh, as these two candidates, Biden and Trump, as has accomplished a great deal? Yeah. And Trump's numbers right now are better than Biden's. Plus four. Biden actually has, just factually, objectively, has a more accomplished term as president in terms of major legislation passed and enacted. The bipartisan infrastructure law, the Chips and Science Act, uh, the first meaningful gun reform in 30 years. That is just an objective fact. That is a thing that with enough resources put on TV, put in people's mobile phones, that you can communicate to voters and change the perception of that's what this campaign is going to be about, is making the case for, despite his age, what Joe Biden has accomplished as president in contrast to what Donald Trump did. I just don't see it this time. I think this cake is fully baked on both sides, and it's going to come down to, you know, which is the which which choice can you actually swallow? Campaign it, pro Bill McCoshin is going to tell me campaigns don't matter? R- r- record of accomplishment describes him well. Biden's minus 13. Trump is plus four. This is like the economy for, for Joe Biden. Voters are not giving him credit for what he's done. The list of accomplishments. Those numbers are moving. I don't know that they are moving. I think they're they're they've made up their minds on who these two guys are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And it's going to come down to something like turnout. (laughs) This guy's really too old. I think that's that's Trump's best line, but he can't use it because he's old, too. So you're describing these like. You know, perfect world campaign ads where they're going to, you know, Trump and all the Biden successes. Have you watched campaign ads? They're going to, they're not going to be anything like that. This is old man against old man, crazy versus senile. That's what we're going to get. I've worked on a lot of campaigns, Steve. I know how to do this. Bill knows how to do this too. When Joe Biden or Donald Trump isn't your best messenger, what do you do? You go get the worker in the hard hat who's working on that bridge in Superior to talk about the good-paying middle-class job that he has because of Joe Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law. And we'll get a worker in a hard hat in Detroit saying, Joe Biden's crushing my jobs with these EV mandates. Yes. And so you have other messengers, and you target it to the voters that you think are movable, and there are movable voters, in part because for as much as we pay attention to this stuff, we do have to remember a big part of the American population 
does not follow this stuff day in and day out. They are not yet tuned into a presidential election that if you cornered them and forced them to say, why aren't you paying attention yet? They would say, because I don't like either of the options and I'm living my Just life and I got kids to get to school. Look at the and top the line of the Marquette poll this week. We are in February, 49-49, suggesting there's only 2% undecided. That's extraordinary. There's usually 5 6 7% undecided. Maybe at this time of year it might even be 10. We're at 2. People know these people. It's fully baked. Either of you think, we got to get to break, either of you think that we're not going to be doing the same thing we did last time, sweating out a few states, the swing states, like we did 2020? I can still see a scenario given, and this, this is the other thing, we have to remember all the context. When you ask voters particularly independents, whether they will vote for a found guilty by a jury of his peers, you know, felon, the bottom drops out for Donald Trump. That I think is yesterday changed cards. that. I, I think voters now say there's two t- systems of justice. This isn't right. They had the same documents. It's, I, I think yesterday completely erased that as a problem for Donald Nothing Trump. Nothing changes an independent voter's mind like somebody who can't get through a freaking sentence when he's on a spotlight as president of the United States. And I'm sorry, I, I like Joe Biden, met him a bunch of times, but that was not a great appearance last night. If I was, if I was a press agent last night, I would have asked him, did your son die in Iraq? Because the last several weeks he said he did, and he didn't. That's what I would have asked him. Bill Akasha, Joseph Pecky, yours truly, the political power hour right here on WTMJ. Happy Friday, everybody. Political Power Hour, Joseph Pecky, Democratic Strategist, Bill McCutcheon, Republican side of the aisle. It's National Pizza Day, gentlemen. I'm I having pizza tonight. Love it. How are you celebrating? I'm going to Barbieri's in South Milwaukee, have some garlic bread, a little pizza. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, my favorite pizza is from Shamrock Pizza in Superior. They have a cheeseburger pizza, which is to mm. die for with pickles on it and everything. Pickles? Oh, pickles. yeah. It is spectacular. I said this yesterday when I was host. Not a pickle guy. No? I like pickles, but not on pizza. Oh, you would on this pizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give My wife the... threw some anchovies. Was it anchovies? She threw... Oh, artichoke on a pizza last Friday. Like, I've had that. What are you doing? I love mushrooms on a pizza. My go-to would be Zafiro's special, sausage, okay. mushroom, and onion. That's a very popular place, Zafiro's. Those love of it. Us in Milwaukee, yeah. you know. All right, so there was some other news in Washington, D.C. Congress. <laughs> Boy, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson not having a great week. Well, this is, uh, this is what we got to keep in mind, right? And this is why I'm trying to be like, eh, I don't know. I, I just don't know yet. A week from now, we're going to be a lot smarter about what the special counsel report means because there we? will be new numbers. I, I do think so. Okay. Yeah, I do. It, and like, if you go in the way back machine to one o'clock yesterday when we talked, the biggest news that had ever happened and that had broken all of our brains on Capitol Hill was the way that Republicans pulled the rug out from under what they are saying is necessary at the border. They've been saying this is a crisis. We need to take action and we're going to take Ukraine aid hostage until you give us a border security bill. Democrats called their bluff. Joe Biden said, I will sign this bill negotiated by an independent, a Republican, and a Democrat, which is the toughest border security bill probably in American history because it was only border security. There was none of that pathway to citizenship stuff, nothing for dreamers. And Republicans went, nah, just kidding. It's such a crisis. We'll wait a year for the next guy to fix it. And it broke all our brains and it drove us crazy. And we bemoaned the end of the republic because we couldn't get anything done on Capitol Hill. They're also assuming they're going to have control next year. which Right. And, right. and now, I don't know about and that. now 24 hours later, it's like we're, we're memory holing it because Joe Biden gave a press conference. 
It hasn't it's been more a great, than that, but I hear you. Yeah, it hasn't been a great month for GOP leadership. And I, I know my role is to defend those guys. I'm not sure Mike Johnson's up for the job, to be honest with you. I, I think he's had a really rough six weeks. Uh, first of all, he lets George Santos get expelled from the Congress. That's what? The guy's a crook. Doesn't matter. He's our, he's our guy. Let the voters decide that. Nancy Pelosi would have never done that. Where Eric Swalwell <laughs> slept with a Chinese spy. He can't even she count the votes. Him. She like, that's can't your, count one of your, votes. One of your basic you, jobs. You bring a major impeachment, the first one in 125 years, to the floor of the Congress, and you're not sure where the votes are? Come on. That's 101 on being a speaker. Listen, nice guys can't be speaker. You have to be a killer, an absolute assassin to have that job, and, and you have to take names like Nancy Pelosi does. Our guys... Your guys understand politics is a blood sport. Our guys think it's gentlemanly, right? It's not. You have to play the game the way it's meant to be played, and that means there's going to be some blood on the floor. And our guys don't do that. I think Mike Johnson's weak. You know, We're not going to change him out right now, but the only guy weaker than him right now is Mitch McConnell. Oh, my God. He let James Langford walk the plank on this on this bipartisan deal. By the way, had this been taken to the floor a month ago, I think there would have been 80 votes in the yeah, United yeah. States Senate for it. Totally screwed it they up. They got 49. If you brought it to the House Demo- floor today, it would pass. All the Democrats <laughs> didn't vote for it. There were five Democrats who didn't vote for it. There were five de- Republicans or four Republicans who did vote for it. What a colossal train wreck. I said this on the show, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. You can't let details like that leak without defining them yourself. And Langford did let that happen. Kirsten Cinema let that happen. And the thing got away from him. I, there were good parts of that. I think there are parts of it I would have never voted for. If I were advising Trump or Haley, I would have gone to the border and said, these are the four things in there that I'm going to do. But I also hate these things. I would have taken these out and replaced them with something else. What did you hate in there? Uh, I, I don't think you can let 5,000 people more in a day. I literally think you have to close the But it's the not letting in. It's when the number of encounters reaches 5,000. And yeah. the encounters, what changed was like unaccompanied adults could be sent back. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure that was strong enough. That's 1.8 Why 5,000, though? I, I guess what's the magic with that number? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, not, Trump's I'm not going to pretend to know. Trump's last year in office, we had 400,000. This would have you know, quadrupled that. I, I just think it was too much. So this this issue is done then. It's not coming back. I think it's done. I know they're still messing around in the Senate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's done. And here's why: Ukraine still needs aid. Israel still needs an aid package. There is still. I well, think they've separated those. I, I understand. And they used to be together, and now they're apart. And maybe they will go back together again. And I <laughs> and I think it's entirely possible that Republicans in this moment now see more weakness for Joe Biden. And say, well, the calculus has changed. Now maybe we're okay giving Biden a little bit of a win because we can say he's too old to be president, and maybe they'll come back to the table. I, I'm not saying I think that's what's going to happen, but I, like, if we've learned anything this week, what we should learn is nothing is decided until it's decided, right? Because we a month ago we all would have said Republicans insisted on a border bill, and if a real border bill can get done. It will happen, and that will be how they figure out how to do the aid for Ukraine. And then it all fell apart. That doesn't mean you can't put it back together again. Bill, will Speaker Johnson keep his job? I think he has to because of what happened in, in October where we lost 23 days. That would have been the time that we should have impeached Mayorkas. I'm totally for impeachment. I think he's deserved it. I think Mike Gallagher took a massive political risk uh, this week by being one of the no votes. Some think he'll be one of the guys that flips next week and votes yes. When Steve Scalise is back, we'll see. But... 
Gallagher's getting butchered by the national conservative quote unquote influencers on social media and talk radio up north in his district. If he flips, what does that say about? <laughs> then it's worse. <laughs> then it's can, worse. Can we talk about another objectively hilarious thing this week? That for everything that Ronna McDaniel has done for Donald Trump, yeah. he displayed once again that he has no loyalty to anyone and turned on her and said, we got to make a change. And among the first names that were floated as a replacement, Kevin McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't surprise me. You can't make this crap up. Yeah. What well, do it? Listen, in my criteria for a party chairman, be it national or state, number one, you better be able to raise money. That is number one far and away. Kevin it, McCarthy's good at raising money. Apparently. No question. He's one of the best ever. Yeah. A distant second is you better be able to build the better data set that you can ID your voters and turn them out. That wasn't, neither of those were Don, Ronald McDaniel's You strengths. know the chair doesn't do that. They hire the oh, no. to do that. Priebus did it. Priebus was deeply involved when he he's was there. He's not coming back. And that, he's busy enough here. I think there were some overtures and he, and he pushed those back, but he's the kind of guy we need. Someone who understands the data and, and can give state parties what they need. All right, we got to take a break here. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, the political power hour on WTMJ, ladies and gentlemen. All right, even though Joe is doing the, uh, the lineup this week. We, we, see, that's how giving I am. We kind of we have like a free flow of the giver. Yeah, you're a river to your people. <laughs> All right, I want to ask a quick question unrelated to your line. Is that okay? And then you can take it from there. Yeah, um, you can ask me whatever, man. Uh, the Vladimir Putin interview, Tucker Carlson. Did you see, you saw some of it? I did not. Did I read some coverage a little of it? bit of the coverage. All right. Of it. Well, I mean, what do you make of of that? Weird. Deeply weird. But I thought Tucker Carlson was deeply weird for a very long time. I know Bill's a fan. Let me say something nice. I am glad that he asked about Evan Gershon, he the, had wa- to. the Wall Street you Journal. You can't go there and not ask that question. So I, again, I didn't see a lot of it. I'm not here to just, but thank you, Tucker Carlson, for at least calling the question on Evan Gershon. I don't care. Didn't watch it. Not going to watch it. I like Tucker Carlson. I, I don't see the point of the whole thing. Um, I agree with Joe. That was nice of him to ask about Evan. Is it Gershkovitz? Oh, yeah. Maybe I got the last name wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but. So what? I don't think it changes anything. I think the, I think Putin lies. Yeah, regardless he, of who he's he talking to, he made up historical things that weren't true about World War II, and he also he called right in the beginning called him an entertainer, not a, not a journalist, which is pretty close <laughs> to the truth. Yeah, yeah, it is the truth. So I, I admire Putin for that. That's the only thing I admire Putin for. So anyway, I just want to get your take. All yours, Joe. Where are we going next? Well, I think I mean we get, we had a lot of things going on in state politics, and we mm-hmm. shouldn't go too far down any one particular rabbit hole. Um, some of the numbers in the MU law poll for state politics that jumped out to me is that Tony Evers remains the most popular politician in Wisconsin. Everybody else is underwater. Yeah. Evers both has a job approval and a personal favorability rating over 50%. The legislature gets terrible marks. Speaker Voss continues to get among the worst numbers Breaking we've ever news, seen. He doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And maybe his caucus does that are going to maybe have to run in some more competitive districts. I know he gets low numbers, but there's a lot of Republicans that like Robin Boss. Okay. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. He's the most powerful politician in the state, whether you like him or not. Uh, the thing that struck me about the poll, there were two things. Uh, one is abortion. I, I think Robin Voss may have found the answer on this because when they tested the four, 14-week abortion ban that he's going to bring to the floor next week, 45% of the voters supported it, 48% opposed so he's upside down by three points. That's maybe the closest you can get on an abortion question in this state. Uh, men were 50-50, 46-46. Women, I think it was minus eight. Um, so 
Robin Voss may have come up with at least something to inoculate his members heading into the fall. It's a 14-week. You can't do abortions after 14 weeks unless it's the life of the mother, rape, incest. Those are the exceptions. I don't think the governor will sign the bill, but there's value in getting your members some uh, inoculation. Uh, we know this from the two elections ago when pre-existing condition was a major issue, actually in the 2018 gubernatorial race. Robin Voss inoculated his members, and no Assembly Democrat could use that against them. Uh, so I, I think it was smart on the speaker's part. I think he may have found something. The other thing, uh, the untold story in that poll is Nikki Haley and how well she does in the state of Wisconsin, not just against Biden. She's up 16 points, but how well she does across the state. Haley versus Biden, uh, she's plus 24 in the rest of the state. This is Trump country, North, northern Wisconsin, western Wisconsin. In the Green Bay media market, she's plus 29. In Madison, she's only minus 8. For a Republican to win statewide, you cannot get crushed in both Madison and Milwaukee. She's minus 8. That's well within striking distance. In the rest of Milwaukee, which is the suburbs, she's plus 42. Billy, in- Billy, wake up. It's time for school. <laughs> no, Billy, no, uh-uh. no, Billy, no, no, go. no. It's, it's almost a guaranteed win for Republicans if they if they nominate her. Well, this and, and because of Trump, it is a guaranteed win. They won't. It's the absurd thing about politics drives me nuts. Fix your party, guys. But Not let's, my job. let's come back to what we talked about two segments ago. He, I think both candidates need something dif- different. If they're going to be the nominees, he needs a, 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 a running mate that looks like the future, that can serve two terms after him. If you're looking at this data objectively, there's no question Nikki Haley is the best choice How for How much him. time do we have here? Do we have 30 seconds? 30 seconds. That's so, it. You posed the question on Twitter this morning to tease it. Who's who should we be more afraid of? Right. The, every time you say somebody who can serve another term, I'm here to tell you, if Donald Trump is reelected, <laughs> he will try to stay. He will say the 22nd Amendment doesn't apply to me. I was robbed of a real first term because of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And people like J.D. Vance will say, OK, the Supreme Court ruled Trump has to leave. Now let them enforce their ruling. That's where we are, and that's why Trump is scarier. I still think he's picking Elise Stefanik. I know it doesn't make any really sense, but I think that's who's going to pick. I, I thought what she said about Mike Pence yesterday was disqualifying, at least for me. Yeah, so me me too, but I still think he's going to pick her because he doesn't care about any of that. All right, quick break. Political Power Hour, WTMJ. I got to do a quick segment here with Joe and Bill, the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Thanks for tuning in. Lots of commentary. No, No real big questions. All right, we want to talk about the uh, the redistricting. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, the maps saga continues, and it will continue until it's over. This week, we've got Speaker Voss now saying maybe they'll send Governor Evers his actual maps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Color me skeptical. I don't think these Republicans in the legislature will be able to help themselves. They will try to... You know, even after their poor performance Slip last week, in. they'll try to move in. Like, Bill, oh, it's my district, I, and so I just I'm not convinced that it's going to happen yet. I think Bill has a different take. The two high paid consultants effectively eliminated the two right leaning maps, leaving only four very left leaning maps. And Republicans have decided of the four remaining maps, the Evers map is their best, so they are going to pass it. Uh, in the next two weeks, and send it to the governor's desk. And you're you're saying they're going to pass it at nine fifty on Friday. They're going to pass this next in week. the next two weeks. They're going to pass the governor's. And the maps. governor said yesterday he'll sign it, and then we're all done. 
And I, we're done. Then takes the Supreme Court out of it. Nothing is over until it's over. I, I don't think they're going to get it done. And I'm not sure the governor... If, can, I, can I be the voice of reason? You can try. That's actually a good thing. We don't need the courts deciding. So yeah, it's supposed to be done in the legislature with the governor. That's From it. Steve Scafidi's mouth to your ears, listeners, politicians should choose their voters and not politicians choosing... <laughs> or not voters choosing All their right, politicians. All right, speed round. How about the tax cuts? Is the governor going to sign those? He's getting them again for the third time. It's, it looks like it's trending in that direction. Yes, really? I, the answer should be yes. I, it should I, be yes, 100%, but I'm surprised to I, I hear the positive tone there. I, I'm, I'm not ER today. I, there's another couple of <laughs> big-ticket items today. that ought to get done. And I think, you know, we love, we love a grand bargain here on the Political Power Hour. We do. We I do. think between school funding, with all of these referenda, the tax, the tax package, uh, maternal Medicaid expansion for one year. Um, I think there's some some deals to be made in these so next the, couple weeks. The speaker and the majority leader put a uh, school package before the governor, and he rebuffed it. So I don't think there's going to be a grand bargain on schools uh, at the end of the session here, which is unfortunate. I think there's a deal to be had where you could get more money for special needs uh, education and and take the charter and choice completely off the property tax. That could be done, but I don't think it's going to happen. Quickly, Joe. 105 schools have to go to referenda in April statewide. Yeah. This is not sustainable. We've been talking about this for a while. There's a there's a real operational budget challenge going on for all of these schools. Everywhere. Districts. Now, districts of all sizes. Yeah. Now, they spent a lot of money on infrastructure and, and, and like, sports stuff. They might have thought about that a little bit before they spent millions and millions of dollars, but I'm just, I'm just saying that's coming. Be ready for it. All right. After the break. Joe, Bill, grab bag, WTMJ, Political Power Hour. A few minutes left with Bill McCosh, Republican strategist, Joseph Heck, on the Democratic side of the aisle. We call this the grab bag. Joe, you're first. We're not, can we do Super Bowl picks and then grab bag? Whatever you want to do. This was your show today. So. San Francisco 49ers come out on top. 28-24. No way. You can't bet against Patrick Mahomes, so I'm taking the Chiefs by six. I said Chiefs by seven. So. One through 53 roster spots. Niners have more talent. I agree with that, but they aren't, they aren't going to win on Sunday night. The reason they won't win is because they flirted with disaster in their first two playoff games. You can't play like that and then perform like that in the Super Bowl. I so think it makes them stronger because now they know so. how to win ugly. And I don't think they're going to come out slow again. Okay. So we'll see. Right. Uh, my grab bag this week, I'm wearing, uh, you guys know I love my T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do. For those watching on the stream, uh, today I'm watching uh, Tell Your Dog I Said Hi, which is uh, a gift I received. There's a the best follow on Twitter. At We Rate Dogs. Check it out. Every Friday, they do the top five dogs of the week. Sometimes it's 10 dogs. And it's the rare thing on the internet that will make you feel good about the world. And I bring this all up because this week marks 11 years since I brought my dog home. I got him from the Wisconsin Humane Society. Adopt, don't shop. That dog changed my life. I'm not sure I have the life I have today without him. Because when Melissa and I started dating and she kind of went to the kids and said, like, what do you think? If Joe and I start dating, the, both of the kids were of the age where they said, does that mean we get to see more of Truman? And ah. so if it wasn't for my dog, I don't know that I'd have this life. Actress so. Chloe's Figney, uh, she lives in uh, in New York, New York City. So there's too many people with dogs ruining public places. What do you think? Boo. <laughs> You're canceled, Chloe. That's what she said. Dogs are incredible man right. it's been a couple weeks since i mentioned the janesville jets my team had nine players at the nahl top prospects this week we're going to get at least three d1 offers out of that the boys are up in eagle river at the iconic eagle river dome tonight against first place uh wisconsin windigo we're in second place by four points only because they've played two more games than us so we have mm. two games in hand 
And then we play the Wendigo again next weekend in Janesville. This is a, our toughest stretch of the schedule. I like our team. We made some moves at the deadline and uh, look for the Jets to make a push for the Robbie Cup. And speaking of hockey, the Milwaukee Admirals going for their 13th straight win tonight. That's nice. impressive. I don't know if they've ever done that. Do we get free burgers at Webb's if they get to 13? I don't think so. <laughs> should. Or breakfast or we something. We should get free something. All right, we got about 30 seconds. Throw something at me. Taylor Swift, how many times does she get on six. the screen? Six. Six? The over-under six? I'm taking over. My hot take of the week is the two most responsible people in all of this have been Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. No question. The rest of us are the problem. Well behaved. Yeah. Yeah. Will will he ask if they win? He goes on the field. She follows him. Will he ask her to marry him? No, that's a that's it's a, a selfish move. This is about the team that night. Yeah, he I think he waits. That. Yeah, he wouldn't do that. I'm not a big fan of grandstanding for a proposal, so I would say that would be a, a cheap play. But a happy Valentine's Day to all you lovebirds out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, and, and, can, and I'll be back next Thursday, noon to three. If you're into that kind of oh, thing. Oh, is that Bef- your day now? Before we, <laughs> before we do the political power hour next Friday, you'll get a little preview from Joe Zupacki. How about that? Do we have to join you again? Like we did Happy Pizza week? Day. You don't have yeah, to. National Pizza to. Day. Enjoy some pizza tonight. I will be doing that in South Milwaukee. Barbieri's, by the way, if you want to say hi. All right. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Yes, it is Friday. Yes, it's the Friday before the big Super Bowl. 58, I think, is the number this year. 58. Sound right, Brian Bennett? CEO, let's get your mic on there. There you go. It's it's lit up. Now you can talk. Okay. Okay, yes. I think that sounds right to me. Yeah, and you've been involved in a lot of these as an advertiser. I have been. I was involved uh, in early years of my career. Uh, I was working at, at an agency in St. Louis doing work for Anheuser Busch. So we, we, my team, not me personally, but the team I was on, um, put Super Bowl ads out there. And um, and then since then, you know, we would buy. Re- you can buy regional ads for right. for regional advertisers, and then insert those into the game. And we've done a lot of that. Sort so of. we have every year we have you in to kind of talk about what we're, we're expecting to see. I, the game is going to be exciting for me. I'm, I'm, I'm predicting the Chiefs are going to win. I don't have any special insight that anyone else has. It's right. going to be a good game. It always is, generally. Yeah. Um, but people always talk about the ads, and I, th- I thought this is always a great opportunity to kind of get a sense of what we might expect to see. So Brian Bennett joining us from Stir Advertising. Um, what do you expect to see in the ads part of the uh, extravaganza that is the Super Bowl? Well, uh, you know, as you know... Um there are a lot of uh, uh, pre-reels out there, you know, primers yep. that, that tease, and uh, there's some good ones. Um, um, I would say the ads themselves, is it's going to be typical of, of what you see all the time, which is a wide variety of spots, highly produced, a lot of money being thrown around. Yeah, was it seven, eight million of... Well, that's just for the media, but the production, you know, the yeah, production the ex- dollars, you, know, you, start, that. you start bringing in multiple uh, celebrities and you've got to write a contract with each one of them. Um, so uh, some of the spots are loaded with celebrities, um, you know, so it's big, it's big dollars. And then there's, uh, there's always a range of creativity from the heartwarming to the silly. And uh, usually at the end of that time, um, you know, it's the spots with the babies and the doggies in it that the general public likes the best. But, you know, I was just telling somebody on the way over here, um, asking what's the best spot is like saying, what's the best kind of shoe? 
You know, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. And everybody has a different opinion. But you actually, you guys at Stir Advertising actually have a contest going on about what the, they have like the top 10 all time that people can pick. Right. So we thought to have some fun with this, um, and we're promoting this on LinkedIn, but I'm sharing it with the audience here because anybody can go uh, and vote. So we, uh, according to Ad Age, they took the top, uh, the top spots of all time, um, and we posted it on our site. And so you can go view them. And then vote for them. All you got to do is go to Google and go stir, S-T-I-R, stir classic Super Bowl commercials, and it'll pull up that page. Did the Doritos, woman having a baby Doritos ad make the top ten? Do you know the one I'm talking about? It was a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That uh, was a good one. I, I don't really, I don't I don't know, but, you know, that that was magnificent. So I did, a, I did a thing on the show. It the says other, something about your sense of humor. Yeah, though. it does. My sense of humor is not like other people's generally. Um <laughs> I did a piece the other day. I, I was reading about the ads, and, and the, this is something we always get into the Super Bowl. We're talking about the ads that are going to run during the game. And there was a sense that advertisers were going to, I get my word, play it safe, be less edgy. Is that the sense you get? Edgy is an interesting word. So we've had years. Um, so my, my, my overriding philosophy on this is that advertising reflects the culture and the times. So we've had years when um, there were, you know, race riots, mm-hmm. and then there was a lot of that um, kind of content showing up in the ads. There was years when we were in the midst of a recession, a really bad recession, and there was, you know, like the Detroit ad, um, you know, where that kind of content was showing up in the ads. This year, it seems uh, lighthearted, very lighthearted, and um, I would say I didn't, I didn't see anything heavy. I didn't see any like real statement pieces yet. Maybe they're going to show up, but I so, haven't seen them. So less social causes, maybe. Yes. Yeah, and and more more kind of silliness and um, humor product, and definitely humor. Well, yeah, and humor really plays. I mean, whatever you do in the Super Bowl, you have to do it like in an exaggerated manner, you in order to uh, capture attention, because might- it's it's really the only time of year anybody watches a program. And is evaluating the ads. The rest of the time, they're trying to avoid the ads. And I would have said this with more confidence, but it used to be the only time of year where people who didn't like football watched the biggest football game of the year. But now with Taylor Swift, that has changed, that dynamic. Yes. Right. And in fact, I was going to say, when you said you thought, uh, who did you think was going to win? Kansas City. Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think Taylor Swift is going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's, what's the over-under? Clearly. What's the over-under on appearances? And, six? and of all of the marketers that are displaying their wares in the Super Bowl, Taylor Swift is by far the smartest marketer. I've called her the most brilliant businesswoman in the world right now. She's Clearly. She's, a, she's already a billionaire, or will be Clearly. shortly. And I would predict also, uh, and I don't, uh, I, I can't attest to being a Taylor Swift fan, but I think this will be her zenith, too. I mean, I think after, there's no, there's no place but down from here. You know, you're not predicting the downfall of Taylor Swift. No, I'm saying <laughs> that she's never going to have more the, more uh, yeah. worldly attention than she's going to have this weekend. Although she she keeps like finding other ways to, to be really successful. You know, the, the yeah. film thing, the the heiress tour, the film. The, I know, and she's still doing the concert. Know, she's it's... going from like what Japan to the game in in Las Vegas in, in like well, 24 hours. You think she's going to get there on time? The world <laughs> is sitting on the edge of its seat. Okay, so let's call it let's call it this way: the Taylor Swift effect. Yeah. Will we see more like female focused advertising? Because they're going to be watching the game for chances to see her. You're seeing you're you're seeing more female focused advertising anyway. So yes, um, just because 
um, the diversity factor um, and inclusion factor. Um, you you see more um, minorities and and females in everything. So yes, that's going to be true. What do you make of the fact that some of the big automakers like Ford, General Motors, they're sitting this one out? Apparently, that seems surprising to me. Yeah, that happens periodically. Um, it has to do probably with uh, interest rates and financing and. Um, the fact that more people are buying used cars right now, I don't know. But, um, um, yeah, they're, they're probably not flush with cash and feeling overly optimistic, so they're not, they're not blowing it here. Brian Bennett, the uh, CEO, founder, creative director. Oh, yeah, all of that you stuff. have all the titles. I'm not the creative director, though. No. That would get me in trouble, so don't say all that. Right. Not <laughs> Ixnay on the creative direct, <laughs> director title. He's everything else at Stir Advertiser. I'm going to ask you this question. I'll, I'll give it to you now. What makes a good ad? Don't answer yet. That's after the break on WTMJ. It's WTMJ now. What's up? Talk a little Super Bowl ads. It's funny that uh, producer Charlie just played the What's Up ad because that's really um, there's going to be. How did you put it? A reprise on that commercial? Yes, there will. Um, Ryan Bennett joining joining us by the way, the the CEO and founder of Stir Advertising in Milwaukee. And glad to be here. Yeah. So the backstory on that is, I think I mentioned that I um, once worked in uh, St. Louis uh, for doing advertising for Anheuser Busch, Budweiser, Bud Light, and all that stuff. And the guys on my team, I remember hanging around, and they were developing the scripts and doing the production on the "What's Up," you know, ad campaign. <laughs> you do that and, pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, you know, I saw them. And, you know, for me, that was cool because, you know, it was the first time I was around anything on that scale. And then I was traveling weeks later, and people were doing that on their phones in the airport. <laughs> it's, you know, what's up, what's up? And it was like, it never really dawned on me at that point the power of advertising and the and and really the power of propaganda because as you, as you push messages out there, it resonates and sticks. So that was the question that I asked you, a simple question, but maybe the answer is more complex than the, the actual question. What makes a great ad? Well, it's got to be memorable, right? It's got to make an impact on you. It's got to be memorable. Um, and there's a number of ways to make an impact. You can make people laugh. You can make people cry. You can make people think deep thoughts. You can make people hungry. You know, whatever it is, um, um, you know, you've got to make an impact. But generally speaking, the more complex the message is, the harder it is to have that effect on people. So simplicity is really important, and that's where like what's up is a th- is you know it's just so simple, right? And there's an audio cue to it. Um, it was a, a very simple thing, but simplicity and uh, a concept like you know something that's memorable, simple, and related to the product. Remember, the uh, an advertising is supposed to sell something. Yeah, well, I asked you the question because you were doing the what's up thing during the break. Do it one more time because I love the way. What's you- up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I didn't remember what that was for. And you said it's for Budweiser. Right. I thought it was a pizza company for all. For all no, things. actually. So this year, you'll notice uh, Pizza Hut is coming out with a new line, a new flavored line of pizzas with different um, um, flavorings or spices or whatever. And you'll see everybody's taking a bite out of a slice of pizza and going, "Pizza what?" <laughs> So they're so, kind of playing off and they, that. And it's over and over and over again. So they they basically ripped off that idea, which is goes back to the theory that there are no new ideas, just recycled ideas. But I, I'm a big believer because most of radios we steal from other radio shows. <laughs> so that may have full disclosure. At least you're honest. Yeah, absolutely. I've taken everything from other people that I've listened to. Yeah. Um, 
It is National Pizza Day, by the way, so yep. very appropriate mention there. What about celebrities? Is that always the way to do it? Because if, but like, I think of Will Ferrell. You put Will Ferrell in an ad, you can't lose. No, right? no, no. Right now, everybody's going to remember Will Ferrell. Is he going to remember what he was? That's the question. Selling. So there's a there's another great Christopher Walken spot, and I'm sitting here um, in front of an audience, and I can't remember who the <laughs> advertiser, but I can remember the spot. So. Uh, Christopher's Walker is going through his day, and everywhere he goes, somebody's imitating him to him. Right, and he and and it's hilarious. But I can't remember for the life of me which which company it's for. Uh, supposedly this year, more candy and snack food, which doesn't surprise me. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's some delicious things, and you know that that are you know, and those are kind of lighthearted and silly. And I saw them, and here again, I don't remember exactly what they were, but yeah, there's some. Interesting things done with um, with CG graphics and you know three dimensional animation and and that sort of thing. We're going to talk way. about AI in the next segment because I know that's a part of this as well yeah, as adver- yeah, advertising, like the like the theatrical productions are utilizing that that thing. So when you look at the Super Bowl totality of ads, when you and I, you may not even know the answer. So I don't know how many ads run there to Super Bowl. It's a lot. Yeah, thirty five, forty, something like that. It seems like they're getting longer. Like some of these things are like two minutes long. Is that necessarily a good? Th- I guess it matters if the ad's good, right? Two minutes seems like a long time for an ad. Two minutes is 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 eternity. Yeah, and it's um, you know, so in doing marketing, um, every year it seems like the amount of time you have to work with bef- before someone gets bored is less and less. And so a two minute is like a short movie. Yeah, it better be good. (laughs) Right. Thirty seconds is is hard enough to to you know uh, develop an idea and then cash in. And it seems like it's just about right. Now, if you have a sixty, that feels long. Sixty is one minute, obviously, but but two minutes is man, that's a lot. Now, I I did want to mention um, um, uh, Lay's um, has a series of fifteens that I think are masterfully done. Lay's potato chips. Yeah. Okay. So it um uh there's a, there's some use of celebrity with it but the, I don't even know who the guy is but it's a it's a groundhog day idea. So it's a series of 15s where the guy comes to the the checkout counter with a with a different bag of chips each time and the person who's checking them out um says exactly the same thing to him and at first he thinks it's funny and then he starts getting freaked out by it and and then and the last one, he's kind of mocking her and challenging. He's like, am I ever going to get out of here? And she goes, you have no idea how many flavors there are. And I just thought, oh, my God. That's good. That's good. That, Creativity. You know, that's going to be dropped. People are going to, about halfway through, they're going to notice there's something going on there. And then um, it'll be cool. Brian Bennett joining us from Stir Advertising. All right. AI, artificial intelligence, making an appearance, perhaps, in, in some of these ads. Hold that thought, Brian. We'll get to that and more on WTMJ Now. It's my crystal ball. It looks like a snow globe. Nah, it's real. Here, watch. Free Doritos at the office today? I think that's a yes! Little Doritos fun for the Super Bowl ads. Talking to Brian Bennett from Stir Advertising. The uh, the emergence of artificial intelligence, better known as AI, the the transformation of um, theatrical productions, movies, TV, now commercials. Brian, is this like the next step in technology? Then, and I guess from my 
since as a radio creator, is this a good thing? Well, I guess it depends on what you do. Um, and we don't know yet, right? Um, I don't think if you ever saw the movie Terminator, anyone thought that the that the uh, robots were actually going to take over the world. Right. They probably didn't. They, when they started out, they probably didn't have that in mind. So uh, that might be the path we're walking down, but we don't know. So uh, the creation thing is something that I care about as somebody who creates a new show every day. I, I think when you look at artificial intelligence, um, just basically taking everything that's already known, would AI and creativity necessarily bring you things that are new and exciting and in the case of commercials interesting i we we did a a study on that at our agency and we produced a um a trends blog for the year and our our um assessment was that um it, it's a a tool that you can use to take some shortcuts in assembling information but that things still need to be heavily edited um, I th- I have gotten lately. I like to watch, um, you know, videos on YouTube on history and current events and things like that. And you can tell that uh, AI AI produced videos are starting to show up all over YouTube. And I can sniff those things out in four seconds and and I'm out. What's the trait? I want to hear what you say with the trait of that. Well, how do you know? How do you recognize? It's that? repetitive. It's um, boring. It's simple. It's uh, it doesn't seem to have a, a a curve or a path. It doesn't it doesn't start with a uh, assertion and then and then support it and then pay it off at the end and come to a conclusion. And then you can tell the voice is robotic, um, and it's uh, you know it's re- really off putting. On the opposite side of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, did I hear that Scorsese is is doing something for an ad? Wow, that's pretty good. In fact, yes, he is. He's, he directed an ad for Google, and um, uh, on the topic is of it like AI, ten minutes long? Because he's had an inability to control himself with his, his yeah. length of production. Yes, lately. and it's it's um, it's beautiful, but it's also not. I just this is one of those where um, people can argue with me if they want, but I think this is a gratuitous waste of money. <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, because uh, they, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish with this thing. He's got, you got, you know, he's selling an AI product for Google, and you have scenes of people like, I don't know, getting ready for work, um, or riding a bus and looking disinterested, and and the message is like, nobody thinks I can take over the world. Nobody thinks I'll ever build anything. Nobody thinks that all this kind of like negativity and all these kind of young people looking, you know, at the camera with angst. And um, and then it's like, Google AI, it's coming. And it's like, dude, what did you just do? <laughs> well, I mean, he's used AI in, in some of his films, The Irishman, he changed the uh, the age of his actors. Right. So he's he's familiar with the technology. I think that's his interest is seeing what he can do with AI as an extra. You use the right word, tool. Yeah. Of creation. Right. All right. So last thing for you, you're going to be watching the game and all the ads on Sunday. Yeah. What do you look for? Um, I, I look for well, I look for something that I think is making a, a big statement and something that is going to be memorable. Um, we used to. Um, when we were working on that level um, and talking about the Super Bowl, we used to call it the 
a water cooler effect. But in this case, it might be the bathroom toilet chat <laughs> uh, messaging effect because people don't go to the office anymore and stand around the water cooler. Right. They probably sit down and text each other. So, um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but true. like, what, what are they? What are they going to be texting about? And in fact, now you can you can chase that, and you'll find um, as they do assessments afterwards that. It's uh, the net effect of uh, social media. What created the most buzz will probably be the spot that, or the marketer that wins. And I, I stick into my um, assertion that Taylor Swift is going to win the Super Bowl. I think you're right on that. Um, I'm going to ask you on air. So I'm, I do a podcast now. I'm going to have you come back and do some podcast stuff with us at some point, talking about I'd love all, to. all this stuff. So we'll do that down the road. Yeah. Brian Bennett, always look forward to our chats. Yes, Stir very, advertising. very much fun. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll have to uh, reconnect for that podcast uh, okay. at a point in the future. And go vote on your favorite Super Bowl ad. Afterwards, we're going to uh, uh, see which one was the uh, most popular one this year. And have you and 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 have a vote off against the the one that people think was the best of all time leading up to this. And I think I have the um, the website address. I'll put that out, and people can and I'll share it on your site. And, yes, or they can Google Stir Classic Super Bowl commercials. There you go, Brian Bennett. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Happy Super Bowl. Quick break here on WTMJ. More of WTMJ now. That was fun. I enjoy talking about the Super Bowl ads with somebody that knows what he's talking about. Brian Bennett from Stir Advertising joining us. And so he's, we've done that annual visit for God, at least three or four years. Uh, and I will have him on the uh, Videology podcast at some point talking about creativity and sort of the, the arts of advertising and marketing because he's one of the best at it in our town. And I've known him for quite a while. And he actually surprised me. He actually did some of the work out at uh, Oak Creek's Drexel Town Square. I did not know that. So I learned something today as well. All right, we're going to shift back to politics for a second. I, I want to get, to, we had Bill and Joe on earlier, of course, Political Power Hour. We do it every Friday at 9. We talked about the uh, special counsel report that came out yesterday. Not very flattering for the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Let's just, just be brutally honest about that. And I'm paraphrasing, but he called him old, sort of a... Uh, Gentle old man, I guess, is the term that some people have used to kind of describe his characterization. But I want to get a sense from all of you, and you can do it in one of two ways. You can call, you can certainly text 855-616-1620. I thought, and I said this with Joe and Bill, I thought Joe Biden's campaign took a big hit yesterday. There's no sugarcoating it, and there's no putting lipstick on it, whatever term you want to use. That was a bad look. And Joe, Bill, and I were texting each other watching the president uh, at his hastily called press conference last night. And uh, it was a bad look all around um, from how he shuffled into the to the podium to the words he chose. Well, actually, let's just do this. I have a clip from that. Listen to it. And then I want to hear what you think. The conduct of the response In Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. I've been pushing really hard, really hard to get humanitarian assistance into Gaza. 
All right, just a couple of things, just fact-based things. Sisi is, is president of Egypt, not Mexico. The president of Mexico is Andre Manuel Lopez Abrador. Um, and Bibi refers to Benjamin Netanyahu. So I think Americans, and again, you know, some of us who do what I do, we pay more attention to this stuff than maybe most people in the general population do. But, you know, details matter. You're the president of the United States, for Pete's sake. And as, as we were texting each other last night watching this, I said to Joe and Bill, before this happened, if your goal is to get him out there, and which is clearly what they were trying to do, his staff, his campaign people, whatever, make the statement, get off. But when as soon as he started walking back, and the, and the press is shouting questions at him, it was like lunacy in there. Way too many people in a small room, smaller room in the White House. And there are small rooms in the White House, trust me. I said to Joe and Bill, don't go back out there. And he went back out there and said, like what we just played for you and a few other things, that slow, slurring, not fact-based, and any goodwill he gained by the first part of his presser, he lost in that one. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. At this moment... Today, February 9th, 2024, if you were going to guess, based on what you know now, you know what Trump is, we've talked about it endlessly, I don't have to detail any of that to you, you know the, you know the story, he was president, now former president, and uh, all the trials and tribulations, literally trials, literally tribulations of his candidacy. If you're going to guess today, given what you saw from Joe Biden last night, given what you know about Donald Trump, who wins? That race, because that's what it's going to be. Barring some unforeseen circumstance, that's what this race is going to be. Who wins? Your mind. And if you're on the text line, give me a reason. Or if you're on the phone, welcome those calls as well. I watched the uh, press conference from the White House yesterday. President Joe Biden, I didn't think it went well for him. I, I know others people, some disagree, but I think the consensus, and I watched a lot of networks last night, who did their own analysis, said it wasn't a good or a great night or day for Joe Biden. I ask you what you think. If if today was Election Day, after what we know of what Joe Biden said last night, the special counsel report that basically said uh, he's not going to be charged with anything, but it's, it's um, for lack of a better word or phrase, um, the testimony they heard from, the, it, the, uh, the interview was from a sort of a gentle old man who was confused about dates, not a good look for someone who wants to be the next president or be reelected for president. We'll go to the phone lines first. Richard from Illinois. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hey, Steve. Uh, I didn't re- I didn't watch it, to be honest, but I, if I was him, I don't think Biden should have even done a press conference. I think he should just let it all go. Uh, I, I didn't I don't recall Trump doing a press conference or, of course, he's on TV so much. Who knows? When he when he made the mistake of the Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi thing, nobody really called him out too much on that. Or when he saw the picture of E. Jean Carroll and called her Marla Maples, uh, I don't see a big difference. And I, I do believe I have issue with the special prosecutor even bringing up Biden's son. I don't know what that had to do with the documents. And if I was Biden, I probably would have just said that has nothing to do with this and not answer anything. And. If I'm not mistaken, most of the documents supposedly wound up in his house when he was vice president yes. eight-plus years ago. He blamed it on and staff. When senator, what? And when he was senator 20-plus years ago. So, Steve, you're like my age, 65, 
So if you remember everything you did since the time you were 45, I'm going to have to call you on that. Yeah, thanks for the call, Richard. I'll, I'll let you kind of uh, hang up and listen. Look, um, dates are tricky. Even, you know, I, I would say a president should probably have this knowledge, but knowing the leaders of countries, I could probably identify about 20 or 25, and that's it. I think there's like, a, what, 160-some countries in the world, something like that. So I would not expect most people to know that. I think, and I'll play, I can give you both both sides of this. One, I think the president thinks it was unfair because of who the uh, special counsel was talking about, his son Bo, who I actually met once in the White House with the uh, vice president then, now president now, um, briefly. And uh, I think that has a has had a fundamental impact on the person that is Joe Biden. You know, what parent wouldn't feel that loss? So I think he was upset about that. On the other side, to take the special counsel's side of the argument, I think he was trying to ascertain, okay, so we're asking about details. We're ask, asking about maybe decades' worth of, of documents that have been, have been sitting around. president last night blamed it on his staff. Do you know how long some of these things have been in this condition or have been laying around like this? I think that's what he was trying to get to. And the way he was trying to figure out how fact-based the president's responses would be was to utilize some key dates. When were you vice president? When when did your son pass away? When did your son Bo pass away? I think that's what he was trying to do. Now, and we, Bill, Joe, and I were talking off, off the show about some of this. Special counsel has unlimited powers almost. There is no review that comes after a special counsel's report that I'm aware of. The Department of Justice may get a look at it, but I don't think they can change anything the special counsel has done. It's kind of the point. Now, if you're asking me if I, I think the special counsel should have put that in there, I'm not sure that he should have. Because it has such undue influence, completely unrelated to the documents case. It's certainly relevant in, in the context of trying to figure out if this person is fit for office. Absolutely. But should that be wrapped into the conversation about the documents? I don't think so. Back to the phone lines. Hey, Connie from Portis joins us. Hey, Connie. Hi, Steve. I'm a little upset. I hope you'll bear with me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so tired of everybody picking on this old man who I love dearly because he's such a good person. I don't care how many times he makes a mistake. I will vote for him again rather than have that idiot that he makes mistakes. Nobody does anything about it. His big mouth is lying constantly. And uh, who would want him when he got rid of NATO? He's done so many horrible things. And we know Biden is a wonderful person. And he won't do anything dangerous because he listens to the people around him. Let me ask you this question, Connie. Let let me ask you this question. I I know that you have a strong opinion about Donald Trump. Did you watch the, the press conference from the White House last night? No, I didn't get to, but I heard it on the news this morning all well, okay. about it. So and the, I didn't think it was that important. So the clip you heard, did you, how did you feel listening to that? The way that the... the... I, was a, I, I was upset with them because I think they're too hard on him. Uh, I really do. And, and whatever they said doesn't make a bit of difference to me because I will vote for him because I know what kind of person he is. And I know the people that are around him are good people. It's just that I, I'm scared to death of what would happen if Trump would get in with our whole country. Yeah, as always, world. as always, Connie, love to hear from you, Connie, calling from Porter. We're going to take a break here. Got Mike. I got a ton of texts on this. Let's take a break. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now. Asking the question, 
given what you know now, you saw the president last night or you heard about it, certainly know the story of Donald Trump, all that entails. Who wins? If the election was today, who would win? Honestly, if I was going to answer that question, I'm going to answer right now. Trump would win. And I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a text to that point, I would, as bad as that sounded last night with President Biden, I would still need to vote for him. I will not vote for Donald Trump. He's too dangerous, too scary. I vote for democracy, which I feel President Biden represents. I think President Trump represents what he and only he wants. My idea would be that we'd start over from scratch. I bet you a lot of people would want that. Um, I also have similar uh, texts from people who have the exact opposite opinion. So it's, it's kind of an amazing time in our country. Every election is different, although this appears, barring some unforeseen circumstance, that it will be a rematch of 2020. Most important election? I don't know. They're all important. I treat them all that way. From the 262, listen to our president speak is embarrassing. I really struggle with this next election. I can't realistically vote for Biden because he's obviously not fit to run our country. On the other hand, do I vote for Trump just because that's the only other option? I so wish we had a brighter, younger choice. Well, we do, Nikki Haley, actually. Um, I think there should be a retirement age for leaders, 65, question mark. All great points, and I have... A hundred variations of those two texts. Bill, Joe, and I were also talking this morning about turnout. There's a lot of thought right now that says turnout will be lower this election than last time because of this question. Dissatisfied with two old white men running for president. I think it certainly will impact the young votes. I don't think it's going to impact women because there's a lot for women to vote for, right? Women's health care, abortion rights, they'll turn out. Ultimately, and maybe it makes sense since women are the majority pop- population, majority gender in this country, that women might decide that, and particularly suburban women. Back to the full lines, Buck from Shawano, Wisconsin. Hey, hey, Buck. Hey, thanks a lot for taking my phone call. Sure. You know, you just made a comment. You know, I, um, I, I struggle with this election as well. Um, I'm on... You know, two opposite ends of the moral spectrum as to whether or not how I'm going to vote, who I'm going to vote for, uh, because I've got significant differences uh, with both Donald Trump, you know, and Joe Biden. However, you know, the the reasoning for my phone call and the comments that I want to make are is that the agents that did the interview with Joe Biden, the comments they were providing were for the, the prosecutor to make that decision as to whether or not. Uh, they were going to pursue charges. And the agent said specifically that they would not recommend charges because of the way that Joe Biden had presented himself. So people are saying that, well, you know, he should not have commented about his age. He should not have commented that Joe Biden said that he was an old man and that things leak his, his, his memory. But that was, that was just part of the report. And, even though that becomes public knowledge and people are going to find out about the report through FOIA Act, the, the FOIA Act, it's a fact of the matter that Joe Biden even admitted that he was an old man and could not remember things the way he did. So I, I don't think we should go after these, these agents when they put it in detail to make a recommendation to uh, prosecutors how to like how to pursue action. Yeah, I hear I hear you on that point. And my my only question for the for the uh, special counsel and his staff is that if you're going to make a senility statement or or a judgment, 
you need to do a full-scale senility test. You, you have that resource available to you. You, you can't just sort of hem and haw on and make your own senility uh, judgment just based on a few comments about about uh, specific events. That being well, said... Do we, know that they, do we know that they did not do those follow-ons? I don't know, know that. At this point, I don't know that. Thanks for the call, Buck. I, I want to move on here. Tex calling from Florida. Hey, Tex. Hey. Well, I hope this shows America that they realize, you know what? Biden can't be our president. We can't be Trump. We need to get out to the primary and vote for Nikki Haley because she is America's best option. I hear you, Tex. I, thanks for the call, by the way. I, I'm a Nikki Haley supporter. I've, I've talked about that for a long time, wrote her in in 2020. I, I wish that was something that I had a lot of hope hope in, but I, I don't share that. Uh, I will tell Republicans this, and maybe they're they're feeling better today about their chances with Trump as the nominee because that sounds like, sounds and looks like it's the way it's going to shake shake out. If you just want to make a point with Trump and he doesn't win the general election, are you going to feel a little foolish when poll after poll, voter after voter says, and not just Republican voters, but Democratic voters say Nikki Haley might be the right choice for them? I've heard from so many Democratic voters that they would actually consider voting for Nikki Haley over Joe Biden. That's a recipe to win a general election, which last time I checked, Republicans, that was the goal. John from Franksville's next up. Hey, John, welcome. Hey, Steve, thanks for taking the call. Um, I think your initial question was between the two candidates, who yes. would you lean toward? Yes. Um, I have a bit of a different take on it. Uh, given the current administration, what we've seen in the last couple of years, my question would be, does it even matter? It seems like we basically have a walking cadaver as our leader who can't really even talk or make sense of anything he's doing. Clearly, he's not running anything. Clearly, there's something deeper behind it. The real professionals are behind the curtain. So what is is the president just a face that that we all talk about? It, or do they even do anything? It's a great I mean, question. Really. Somebody else argued on the text line that maybe we're just picking a future president because if either one of these individuals gets in there, they may not be in for long. We'd be, we have a situation where a vice president steps up. Thanks for the call, John, from Franksville. Interesting debate. I got a, a lots of text on this. We're going to move on. Libby Collins, host of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News and Sunday Conversations, will join us. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Happy Friday, everybody. Yes, yours truly, hosting WTMJ Now. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for finding us over the air online podcast every Friday. I shouldn't say every Friday, most Fridays. Libby Collins, the great host of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News and the great, fantastic host of Conversations, joining us as she does every Friday. Hi, Libby Collins. Good morning, Steve. You are on fire once again today. I'm having a good show. We've had some nice shows this week. A, a lot of great... You know what it is? It's the guests. As you know, as someone who does what I do and a little extra with the conversations, the guests matter, Libby Collins. Oh, they sure do. And boy, do we have a good one on conversations this Sunday. He has been named one of the most influential Asian Americans in the state of Wisconsin. But what a great interesting background he has. David Lee, he's now the general manager of uh, NPR here in Milwaukee. 
But going back to when he was a young man, not that he's that old now, uh, he had dreams of becoming a star in Hollywood. Grew up in San Francisco, college in New York, lived in Boston, lived in New York, and then lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years where I tried to become, you know, Chinese George Clooney. That's I see the resemblance, by a, the way. A little bit. It's a, it's a silver fox, right? <laughs> like most people, like 99.9% of people who move out to Los Angeles to do that thing, I failed. You pursued a degree in, in film. film. That's right. That's right. What was your aspiration at the time? At the time, I wanted to become a film director. I wanted to be a writer, director, and actor. And, you know, I have a, a stack of screenplays that nobody wanted to buy. And the interesting thing about that is he talks about one of the, one of the shows that he had. Now, you know, think about this, Steve. Um, you don't just call up a producer in in Hollywood and say, hey, I have an idea for a show. Right. I mean, so much work goes into it. Storyboards and, and you know, writing scripts and, and endless meetings. And David was had, had an idea for a show, and it was on the radar, apparently, of all the big studios in Hollywood. And it really looked like it was going to be picked up by a major network. And then all of a sudden, he gets a call saying, not so fast. The interesting thing about being in the creative arts is it's a passion. Yeah. You have to yeah. have it. You've got to have that fire. Yeah. And you want it so much. And then finally you grow up a little bit and you think, I can't really make much of a living yeah. doing this. What was the moment when you decided, okay, this is going to be it. I got to change careers. I had written a TV show that was making the rounds at like major cable networks. And my producing partner and I were very excited about one in particular. And when I was on my honeymoon in Greece, I got an email from him saying that this network said no and wouldn't move on with this project. That was probably the first moment where I felt that because this was a show and an idea that had been sitting with me for years and years and years and years. And my ex-wife now had asked me at the time, what do you want to say with your work? And my answer was, you know, I don't really know, but I know that whatever it is, it's in this piece. David is such an interesting guy. And, you know, we talk about his, his family growing up Asian with his parents who, who were from China and what the pressures on him would have been because, you know, a lot of times parents want to talk and, you know, I expect you to be a doctor. I expect you to be a lawyer. And of course, what does he do? He says he wants to be an actor, but eventually ended up here in Milwaukee. And you can see why he is definitely one of the more influential people here in the state because he is so interesting he has a passion for the arts he has a passion for um not for profits he's done a lot of philanthropic work and i think you're going to really enjoy hearing from him this sunday on conversations you know one of the things i love about conversations and the work that you do on it is we often know i know the who i know who the person is sort of i know the you know what they do i don't know the why and that's the great thing about conversations you fill in the why for all of us on all these guests thank you for saying that and that's what i consider to be the most fun and also the greatest challenge is getting a lot of people who are used to coming before the public and you know with their media releases and you know talking about whatever project they're working on or the business they're fronting or whatever 
but there's always this great backstory and getting them to open up about them and and talk about things that normally they wouldn't say in public that's the fun of what we do on conversations one of the things i love about this story is it talks about rejection right they said no to his idea and i'm a big fan of of this this phrase with adversity you can create opportunity and he he clearly did that i i, I always tell the story on the show well, i don't always tell it, but i tell it occasionally First time I ran for mayor, I lost. Nobody ever remembers that anymore. It's the fact that I that I ran two other times and won both times. So rejection can do things for you. It can uh, sort of recreate your life plan or sort of the the methodology you use to get to whatever your goals are. And that's why I love stories like this because that's a big one. <laughs> he was a guy that oh. he had dreams and they were essentially just cut off. Yeah, well, I love how he was going to be the Asian George Clooney. And, <laughs> right. and if you see him, I mean, he's a really good-looking yeah, guy. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of him, yes. Yeah, but but he's definitely, you know, he's definitely Asian. But he is so much fun. He's got so much life. And you can see why he looks at uh, running the NPR station here in Milwaukee as such an adventure as, as bringing him closer to the community. We talk about that. We talk about what he's learned about the people of Milwaukee since he came here in 2010. And I think you'll want to hear this this. Uh, interview on Sunday. It's a good one. I got to ask you about the Super Bowl. What are you What are you looking forward to for the Super Bowl this Sunday? Aside from Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. you're looking forward uh, to Taylor Swift. I always look forward to Taylor Swift. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think. Okay, so I watched the Grammys the other day. She is. I love her. I love her music. I think she's adorable, but I think she's very staged and contrived. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll look for that to see where she'll, she'll know she's on camera. But anyway, you know what? I, I do love the commercials. We, my husband and I, we did this last year. We're going to do it again this year because for years we did Super Bowl parties, had them ourselves. We went to, uh, other people's homes for parties. I think we're just going to stay just our, just the two of us. And really watch the game. I think these are two great teams. I love Purdy. I think he's got such a great backstory. Sounds like you're leaning yeah. towards San Francisco, Libby Collins. No, no, not necessarily. Okay, I mean, right. I do like both teams, but I, I love him. I love his story. And so I can't say there's going to be a loser here because I think either team will deserve to win. But I, I want to, I want to kind of enjoy that. And I also have to watch the commercials. I will, too. I had uh, Brian Bennett from Stir Advertising on earlier talking about it, and he says you're going to see the return of the What's Up commercial in some form, uh, and a lot of celebrities, uh, less edgy this year, maybe more safe, less uh, less uh, social causes. So could could be a pretty quiet, calm version of the Super Bowl. For me, I'm watching it actually by myself. For the, I don't remember the last time I watched the Super Where's Bowl. Where's your wife? She's going to a play that night, so. Oh, not a, not a big uh, football fan, huh? She loves football when it's the Green Bay Packers. The rest of it, eh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll probably get the most out of the game because you'll really be able to concentrate. And, Libby Collins, I can control what all the things that I want to eat for the Super Bowl. Just me. Uh, favorite thing to eat? Uh, for Super Bowl, pizza. Got to be. Got to be oh, pizza. Mm-hmm. Okay. You? What about you? I, I kind of like those chicken wings. Chicken wings, yeah. Now, typically my wife, yeah. Kathy, makes because she makes some awesome chicken wings. The other thing I, I I love is nachos, so I may have some nachos in my future as well. Well, I think I might have some shrimp. Just you know, nice shrimp. Detail, Interesting. Shrimp. Oh yeah. I'm oh, learning all about Libby shrimp. Collins. All right, Libby yeah. Collins. <laughs> Thank you. Ha- have a have a fun 
evening watching the game all by yourself on Sunday. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. The great Libby Collins from Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, and of course, uh, of course, the host of Sunday Conversations this week with David Lee, General Manager of Milwaukee's NPR stations. All right, after the break, you might ask yourself, what's radio legend? He never calls himself that. We call him that. Gene Miller, former host of Wisconsin's Morning News, what's he up to? I'll give you a little sampler platter. I did that on purpose because I was talking about snacks for the Super Bowl. Of what he's doing and his take on a few things. Uh, of course, teasing something else that I care a lot about, which is my Scafidiology podcast. That's coming up next on WTMJ. Somebody asked me the other day, I see you're doing a lot of podcasts. I go, yeah, one of the things that I'm excited about is uh, in 2024, we're launching a lot of new digital features and things away from the show that I uh, really enjoy doing, and I'll still enjoy that even with doing all the podcasts. So I do two weekly Decision Wisconsin po- uh, podcasts. Where are those? Everything swirling around the election, everything that influences that. we got a great one this week with a uh, professor of political science at Market University, Dr. Amber Wachowski, uh, on sort of the, the connection between academia, academics, and politics. They did some great research there looking at social media in the last election and how that shapes public opinion and voters' opinions. Uh, check that out on our Decision Wisconsin podcast page on WTMJ or wherever you get your podcasts. But the other one that I really, really love, because it has my name on it, Scafidiology. Yes, I created that name. I took my name, added ology. That's all it was. <laughs> Simple. I didn't hire consultants. Didn't hire an advertising agency. I just figured it out by myself. I'm laughing at myself there. Uh, and it's a chance to do all the other stuff outside of politics. And I, I had planned on doing this for a while, but uh, we had to make our schedules work. The one, the only Gene Miller, radio legend in Wisconsin, certainly in Milwaukee here, longtime morning guy, uh, whether that was QFM on the FM dial or AM with, with Wisconsin Morning News for dozens of years. Um, and the great thing, I, I think I said this during the podcast with Gene, we're going to play, play some, for it, uh, some of it in a, in a little bit for you. Um, he's a great human being. So he's a nice guy. He's a good person. He's genuine. And I love that about Gene. And I, I, I said a while ago, I got, I got to sit down and talk to Gene. And um, I had a chance to. And I want to play a little bit. We, 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 we talked about a lot of things. But we, I wanted to get his take on sports and, and specifically uh, some of the coaching stuff. And we had to talk about the Brewers. So here's a little bit of uh, Gene Miller talking on the podcast, Graffitiology Podcast. All right, I, I cannot let you get out of here without talking a significant part of this podcast about sports. You are a sports fanatic like I am, and I'm a Packers season ticket holder. You are, you are a Brewers season ticket holder, and you, I know you love Wisconsin sports. So let's, let's walk through a couple things. Craig Council leaving our beloved Milwaukee Brewers for the Chicago Cubs. Your reaction? I will never forget where I was, what I was doing when I heard that news. It ranks right up there in my pantheon with where I was when I heard that Reggie White was coming to the Green Bay Packers. I was afraid he was going to leave. I never in a million years thought it was going to be to the Chicago Cubs. I get it. Geographically, it makes sense. Professionally, I think it makes sense for him. I thought I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, when the dust finally settled, he admitted that he was kind of surprised by the Milwaukee reaction to his decision, and that's the one thing I don't believe. I don't know how a guy that could grow up in Milwaukee and work in Milwaukee and be a a manager of the Milwaukee Brewers for as long as he was, think that this was just going to be like, okay, Craig, good luck. We wish you all the best. You know, people were angry. They were hurt. They're upset. It's very personal to us. But 
you can't begrudge the guy a chance to improve his lot in life, even if it is with the dirty, rotten Chicago Cubs. <laughs> what, what do you think the reaction is going to be when he brings the Cubs back to uh, American Family Field? I don't know. That's going to be really interesting. I think there will be a smattering of, of booze, but i got a hunch overall the, the, the good-natured Milwaukee baseball fan that is appreciative and respects what he did for this team for all those years is, is going to come out and show itself in, in applause. And, and then, you know, I think it's just going to be the usual Cubs Brewers series that we obviously see. And it's just going to be weird seeing them for that first couple of games coming out of the dugout in, in cubby pinstripes. It's like, hey, shouldn't you be in that other dugout over here leading our charges? But I think we'll get over it, especially if we handle the Cubs in, on the field. What do you make of the Brewers? They shipped off Corbin Burns. Uh, you know, Woody's a question mark coming into this season. He's an injury from last season. What is the season going to look like, do you think? I'm not crazy about a rotation that has Freddie Peralta as your number one. He's a good pitcher, but I don't think he's, he's a, of the ilk of a Woodruff or, a, or a Burns. I think they had to make the move on Burns when they did to get the most in value. The debate rages on as to whether or not the Brewers did that by getting who they did from the Orioles. They didn't get any of those top five prospects that Baltimore has that are so good. That's such a great farm system. Was this really the best we could have gotten? Like any trade, you don't know that until the guys actually perform on the field. But you hope this left-handed pitcher can be a starter. You hope this uh, infielder can maybe fill the hole at third base. Lord knows they have enough bodies now in the infield to the point where maybe, you know, is Willie Adamas going to be next? Little taste of my conversation with Gene Miller. That was just a little piece of it. We, we, we didn't focus on sports. We talked about a retirement and how his day is and how it, does he still wake up early and all the things that you would want to know if you were yourself meeting Gene Miller in a coffee shop. So uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Scafidiology is the name of the podcast, and if you go to the podcast page, all of our conversations are there. It's something I really enjoy doing, and as I've, I said before, that little uh, audio clip there, um, Scafidiology is, is the home for all the non-political conversations that I have. We've got some great ones coming up. Milwaukee Mayor Kevler Johnson is going to be on that. I'm going to have the legends. Now, they're going to be on the show Monday. So Carol Kane's going to be around for three hours on the Monday program. Kind of a Super Bowl, fun Super Bowl, got a recap with Carol. And then Steve Palak, another radio legend, is going to stop by about 11 o'clock. We'll talk commercials and all that stuff. And then I'm going to record them for a future Scafidiology podcast. That's like 70 years or more of combined radio experience in this market. i got to tap into some of that knowledge. I only have seven this month. Uh, so we'll have that conversation. So sort of a fun Way to um, extend the conversation away from the show. Check them out. Podcast page. Scafidiology for the fun stuff away from politics. And if you're all about the politics and the election, Decision Wisconsin. Easily found at WTMJ.com on the podcast sites or wherever you get your podcasts. After the break, speaking of elections, we also provide public service. For the folks in Waukesha, our own Adam Roberts has a primer on what you need to know. That's next on WTMJ. I forgot to mention when we're talking about podcasts, a couple keywords for you folks who want to get a nice quick link to our podcast page. So I've got RNC, sort of the uh, the general uh, text word for our political podcast. Text the word Steve. It takes us to the Scafidiology podcast page, I believe, or all the podcasts on WTMG.com. So that's there. And um, they're worth listening to. It's a great, the, the cool thing about podcasts that I love, they're like 16 to 20 minutes long. We cover the really important topics, whether it's politics or, or the fun stuff, that you want to know from the guest that matters. And on the politics side, we've had everybody from Scott Klug. Uh, who else have we had? We had uh, academics this week as an academic. Um, former electeds, 
Charles Franklin from the MU Law School poll. Uh, we had Bill and Joe from the Political Power Hour do one. So all kind of in the same place. You can actually get a nice, quick review of the things you need to know for the election. Speaking of that, our own Adam Roberts from the News Department. He uh, has done a really, really great job. He does a great job all, all around, but he's done a really great job putting sort of a primer together. Primer? I think primer is the right way you say that. Um, on voting in our area. This one today has to do with Waukesha. So here's our own Adam Roberts on voting. Vote like your whole world depended on it. The countdown continues to Wisconsin's spring primary on February 20th. All month long on WTMJ, we're providing a look at what voters can expect on their ballots when they head to the polls. This week, we take a look at what primaries are coming up in Waukesha County. First up, a school board referendum that voters are quite familiar with in the Waterford Union District, which includes parts of far southeast Waukesha County. Their voters will once again choose if they support or oppose the most expensive school referendum in the state. $91 million is the ask, which would come with an increase in property taxes of about $350 a year. The gym has buckets hanging, catching leaks, and I vote yes for the referendum. I think what they're doing is they're trying to just tax us to death. It's the third straight year the Waterford School District has asked voters for more money, hoping to upgrade the city's 65-year-old high school building. Voters have turned down a smaller $20 million referendum for the past two years. Over in Brookfield, voters in District 5 will replace outgoing Alderman Scott Berg. Candidates include businessman Sean Campbell, attorney Amanda Davis, and the city's director of administration, Dean Marquard. Meanwhile, in the town of Genesee, the town board supervisor position is up for grabs. Residents will vote in the primary for two of the following candidates. Tony Reese, Terry Tesh, Art Schneider, Mark Pickler, Adam Coker, and Adrian Tengler. And in the village, not city, but village of Waukesha, incumbent village trustee Michael Gorecki is being challenged for his seat by Roger Adams and Cheryl Kay. Now, important reminder, the deadline to pre-register to vote has now passed for February 20th, but there are still other ways to register. Voters still have time to head to their local clerk's office between now and February 16th, or you can register day of at your local polling place. Just make sure to bring your legal ID and proof of residence with. For those wishing to vote absentee, most must request a ballot by February 15th, except for those in hospitals who have until 5 p.m. on the 20th to have a ballot brought to them. Reminder, all ballots must be received by 8 p.m. on the 20th in order to count towards the final tally. Coming up next week, we explore what's on the ballot this month in Ozaki and Washington counties. Adam Roberts, WTMJ News. Fun show today, and it's just going to get a whole lot funner here in a second. You never know who's going to stop by. Carol Kane, radio legend. Yeah, sitting, hi. Sitting in, how are you? Oh, studio audience today loves I, uh, America's favorite co-host. Well, I know. Thank you, Charlie. That's very nice of you. Um, yeah, I was I was headed down. I'm having lunch with a friend at 1 o'clock. I'm going to some brand new Indian restaurant over on Van Buren. I always got some lunch date thing going on. I uh, Yeah, I've, I'm, a friend of mine said to me, are you now the ladies that lunch? And I go, yeah, apparently. But, but um, you're like the female version of those guys that meet at McDonald's at 7 a.m. every morning. Wow, yeah, I yeah. guess, you know, when yeah. you put it that way, I guess you're right. Yeah, so what are you going to talk about today on, on your lunch? Um, What's on your mind, Carol King? Cause we're, uh, show tease, 
Monday, you're here for three hours. I can't wait. I really have missed coming in. And yeah. uh, somebody stopped me today. I was out walking with my girlfriend, and he said, how come you're not on anymore? And I go, it's beyond my pay scale. Did you say, like, <laughs> Scafidi doesn't want me? No, 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 no. no. I always, uh, I, I always, your ears should be ringing every time that somebody stops me, because I always fill them with accolades, because I, I really think you're a great guy. Where's the applause for that? <laughs> well, you sleep at the switch when the my stuff comes out. <laughs> so anyhow, I heard you and I and uh, Steve Palak. I can't wait to work with him again yeah. on Monday. And then it's like a, like I, I asked you this in a break. You've got like forty five years. And he's yeah. got like forty at least. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that I can combine two Milwaukee radio people with that much experience. We we're about a hundred years between the two of us. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> well. You know, Steve started when he was very young, too, and he was at QFM, and he did a morning show, and uh, then he, you know, morphed himself into something else. And I started, golly, I started in Fort Atkinson when I was 21. You could have been a veterinarian. I no, I couldn't. No, <laughs> you wanted to be at one. I point. wanted to be, but yeah. you said, when I, not going to happen. Uh, after my second. Uh, my 12-week exam in my second chemistry class, and I'd failed the six weeks, I'd failed the lab, and I'd failed the 12 weeks. I packed everything up, and I went to my advisor, and he looked at me, he goes, I think we need to find something else for you. How your life would be different? You'd be sticking your arm up a backside of a horse or a cow? <laughs> I, I actually... What I wanted to do, if I had been able to make it through, I wanted to be a herptologist and work at a zoo. Really? Which is, yeah, snakes and lizards, yeah. The two things I don't like, snakes and lizards. I have had this thing for li- snakes ever since I was a little girl. What is it, exactly? I don't know, but I scared my mom a lot. <laughs> because I was, she'd, I, I will never forget, there was like a little carnival at our outdoor mall. And she came out of the Boston store at the time. <laughs> I had this huge boa constrictor. <laughs> and... And then I was in the I was in the snake pit for the circus parade. I was going to ask you. You had a, in the circus parade. You had a snake like wrapped around you. Yeah, I did. A See, big... I would never ever do that. Well, and you know what was so fast? I think it's their strength that makes me fascinated because that thing was huge, and all he had was his the tip end of his tail wrapped around the leg of the chair. I could not move him, not at all. And I, was I don't just get like, the fascination with that. I just don't. And before I got in the thing, I said, he's eaten, right? <laughs> this is a family event. Well, we don't need... It was a boa? They they choke you off first, so you wouldn't know you're going to be eaten at some point. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, you it, pass out first. It was a python or a boa. I'm okay. not sure, but it was one of the constrictors. Big. All right. So um, this is unrelated to your appearance, but I was going to talk about it anyway. So the Packers actually have two players this week that have been put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Do you know either one of those players? Oh, hell no. Why Julius if... Peppers. Remember Julius Peppers? Well, I, I, yes, I remember the name. And he, I remember he played the... for three years, 2014 and 2016. So uh, he's going in the Hall of Fame. And an individual who's better known as, as a Chicago Bear because he won a Super Bowl with them, Steve McMichael played for the Packers for one year. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Okay. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Two, two former Packers. Sure. I wonder if they'll put their name up on the, because they have that thing, the ring of honor, whatever it is. Are they going to put their name up there, you think? Because they didn't play here that long. I would say no. I'm going to say for Peppers, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they want to put a Chicago Bear player up on the. Uh, sure. Yeah. Did you Did you get the article about Aaron Rodgers and how much money he's lost with his COVID nineteen stance? I have not. 
I read it this morning and I had to laugh. What's the number? He didn't give a number. He uh, just said, I've lost millions. I bet he has, still hasn't changed his mind, though. Oh, no, not at all. No. Not at all. I mean, he still thinks his stance is, is perfect. But I was just like, you know what? You know why you don't? This is how you stop losing millions of dollars. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I don't think that's easy for Aaron Rodgers. He likes to be a, likes to hear himself think. All right, get out of here because we have three hours to fill on Monday. Okay, I will. Pleasure to see you. Enjoy your lunch at this new Indian restaurant. I know. I forget the name of it, but it's over on Van Buren, so I'll get over there. Uh, will you tell us on Monday how it was? I will. The legend, radio legend. <laughs> You're funny. Was in a fantastic mood today. Looks fantastic. Carol Kane, Carol Kane should be here all day. Monday show, 9 yep. to noon. And then Steve Pallack, other radio legend in town, will join us at 11, talk some Super Bowl stuff. Looking forward to it. It'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. After the break, the weekend review sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. We do a lot of great things every week on this program and on this station. This week is no different. We uh, we enjoy our Friday features, and one of our best ones is we can review a stunning failed vote in Washington, a historic Wisconsin tornado, horsing around with Dan Kelly and more. It's the Weekend Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Someone just stole my car on 27th Street with my two kids in the car. Oak Creek Police investigating the car that was stolen from a quick trip with two children inside the vehicle. Officers are out with the SUV and the two kids are fine, okay? Are you serious, man? Yeah. Oh, my God. But you guys have my kids? Yeah, we do, yes. He opened up the car. Then he bonked his head. The numbers tell a pretty incredible story. L.A. typically gets around 14 inches of rain during an entire year. Areas of L.A. have received around a foot of rain in two days. Crews are working diligently on the convention center expansion. This is now connecting us directly to the second floor of the South Bay. There'll be more space, more tech, more options, and more amenities. Our objective was to give a meeting planner as few reasons as possible to say no. Milwaukee Common Council this morning passed a resolution calling for changes in how EMS crews respond to calls. I'll tell you, if I'm running one of those ambulance companies, I'm telling my people, you get your fannies out and you look around. I'd like to invite, as a council, the CEOs to come explain this response. Another major step for a proposed Hard Rock Casino in Kenosha. It was fair to the city of Kenosha, to the county of Kenosha, to the Menominee tribe. Not everybody goes to a casino to gamble nowadays. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 216. The resolution is not adopted. A stunning vote causing more chaos on Capitol Hill. A Republican effort to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas failed last night. Uh, the allegations are baseless. I'm Mike Gallagher, the big mouth talk show host, not Mike Gallagher, the misguided congressman from Wisconsin. I can only imagine what his email inbox looks like tonight. It can't be pretty. The D.C. Court of Appeals has ruled that former President Donald Trump does not have blanket immunity from criminal prosecution for actions taken while in the White House. Trump has until Monday to appeal to the Supreme Court. If the high court declines the appeal, the judge overseeing the case could set a new trial date soon. There goes dirty Dan Kelly. Someone held a picture up of Dan Kelly, and one guy blurted in the middle of the focus group that, you know, this guy looks like a horse. 
<laughs> what? There's something off about that horse. Jennifer Crumbly sat emotionless as the guilty verdict against her was read. We find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. History on the high court continuing to play out as the Supreme Court has wrapped up arguments on whether or not the state of Colorado can bar former President Donald Trump from the presidential ballot. One thing I'll say is they kept saying about what I said right after the I think you should take a look at the statements that I made before and after. Whatever means there are to enforce it would suggest that they have to be federal, national means. Just doesn't seem like a state call. WTMJ Fleet Farm Storm Team Alert, a tornado warning in effect until 6.30 for Jefferson County. This is a very dangerous situation. This is a reported tornado, large and dangerous, on the ground. Look at the wind. Look at the wind. I mean, that, that wind... This thing has got to be crossing. It's it, yeah, it's very very Look, close right now. The, the trucks are now stopping. Through. Oh my goodness! Crews in Southern Wisconsin are going to start beginning the recovery and cleanup process this morning. This following Thursday night's confirmed tornado near Evansville in Rock County. We know at least twenty homes and businesses were damaged. Downed power lines littered across highways fifty nine and fourteen. We would ask people to stay out of the area for right now. We are seeing a lot. It just makes you take a breath and say, "Wow." My goodness. This place was so beautiful. It's something that I've worked on for 10, 15 years, and it's all gone. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! In the primetime news conference, the president saying the special counsel exonerated him in the classified documents case. But that prosecutor also wrote he wouldn't take the case to a jury because they would see Mr. Biden as, quote, a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, I put this country back on its feet. The bottom line is the matter is now closed. What a week. This guy looks like a horse. My memory is fine. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.